God and see what God has to say to us. Amen. And to enjoy the fact that we do have a precious book called the Bible. I want to read first of all from Acts 24 and 25. And then I'll ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 16 and 12. Acts 24, 24 and 25, verses 24 and 25, chapter 24. Very interesting thing here with the Apostle Paul with Felix, and he had just had a little bit before that or after that, I think it's after that, that he had just had quite a conversation with then with King Agrippa and he had just expounded the good things of God and his defense and why he believed what he did and King Agrippa simply says uh, uh, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian I've just wondered sometimes with a man as great as Apostle Paul with all the savvy that he had in the word of God and the power that he had really what it would have taken for Agrippa to have become a Christian. So sometimes your heart become can become so hardened on those areas uh, that uh, sometimes we're just almost persuaded. There is a song that says almost persuaded. Used to sing that at revivals a lot, where individuals was just almost on the verge of coming to God in repentance and they was almost persuaded but not hardly there was something lacking and I always wondered what was lacking in the Apostle Paul's message was there anything lacking in his message anything else maybe he could have said or was it all upon Agrippa that he was realizing or thought like many of us today that we have all the time in the world and that perhaps we now Paul said that he knew Agrippa believed, you know, but acting on belief is something else. And so uh, Agrippa just said to Paul, "Well, I'm just almost convinced, almost convinced." And of course, we don't have any record of what happened to Agrippa because he, for his last time, I'm sure, turned away the word of God, as best it could have been expounded by anyone. And that was by the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles there was. And yet, with all of his savvy in the Word of God, he was not able to convince this man to be a Christian. Okay, let's read from the 24th verse of the 24th chapter. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He had hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porteus Festus, the Apostle Paul, as he closes his, his first writings to the Corinthian church. And he says in the 12th verse, as touching our brother Apollos, 
I greatly desired him to come to you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul talks about watching and all of those things, and so it is convenient times that mankind is looking for. Father, we thank you tonight. We appreciate your blessings thus far as you have blessed us with songs and blessed us with testimonies and blessed us with special. And Father, certainly we have felt your arms grow around us as you loved us. We thank you for that, Lord. Now we pray that you would touch us, Father, with thy word, that it would sink deep down within our hearts and we would not turn aside, but realize it is pertinent to our way of life right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. There are some words in the Bible that is not repeated often. Now, seven times in the scripture the word convenient is used. Only seven times in all of the scripture. And five times it is used to mean suitable or profitable. But these scriptures that we just read to you has a different meaning. These other two times as seen in their text, it means something that's conducive to comfort and ease, affording accommodation or advantage. In other words, we are living in a me-first society. It is a selfish world simply that says, I will help you if it's comfortable for me, and easy for me to perform. And we have that type of society that we are living in today. It had it back then, insomuch that the Apostle Paul chose to write concerning that. with God. And this is the way, for the most part, Christians want to have a relationship with God is when it is convenient for us. Nevertheless, I want us to know tonight, and certainly you must realize that, God's agenda, his agenda, is seldom convenient. Anytime God wants something out of us, it'll be at the most inconvenient time of our own lives that he asks these things out of us, for he is testing our will to be obedient to him. We're not going to have any relationship with God at all as far as the depth in him if we demand that it be easy, if it's convenient for us, why then we do not have or will not ever have the relationship that we need with God, especially a relationship that is so demanding as we enter into these last days. God is, the enemy is demanding more from us, and God is demanding more from us, and we have to understand that what is convenient for us is inconvenient for God. When God wants something out of us, he wants it right then. But the tragic toll that results, so to speak, and is resulting from a convenient-minded world is this, rarely is God's priorities ours. Let me say that again, rarely is God's priorities ours. Now, if we are walking after the Spirit, and not after the flesh, God's priorities are ours. But if we are satisfying the whimsical desires of the flesh, well, then those are our priorities and they are not God's. 
This is the reason that we see most churches half or two-thirds empty. It's because their priorities is clashing with God's. This is the reason we're not seeing souls saved or even our families saved. It's because our priorities are greater than God's priorities. And so naturally we're giving in to our own desires and our own flesh with the hopes that God will still love us and forgive us. And of course I believe that he'll do that, but it still dwarfs our ability to reach a lost and dying world. We cannot reach out as we should when we're using our own priorities. Now, we have covered this a little bit before, but let's, uh, let's go back and review a little bit in Luke 14, from 16 to 25. When we read that, we see the extreme urgency within the heart of God is filling his house. It is not necessarily blessing us. It is not necessarily pleasing us. It is not necessarily uh, giving us the things that we desire, but God's priorities, and still is, is filling his house. His desire is that we can reach out in such a way that individuals would want to come to the house of the Lord whenever it's a possibility to be there, and he understands when we have a desire and a determination and when we do not. But that doesn't change his desire for filling his house. God does not like empty houses. Amen? God does not like empty pews when there is a possibility of being able to fill them by being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ represented by the master of the house who gave a great supper and he bid his servants to fill the house. And these were the ones that had their first relationship with God. Now I want to just bring us back to a few years ago when the Holy Ghost really came back into being uh, on the shores of the United States of America. And most of us were the first recipients of that. When the power of God was a reality and when the preachers like Brother Johnny Buford could just take a guitar and, and preach and sing and, and fill house. Because God's desire was to fill that house. And God filled a house and God filled us with the Holy Spirit. And we received a first calling. Most of us here received a first calling from God. God saw us, saw us on his heart and filled us because we wanted to be filled with his Spirit. And not only was we filled, but we were so desirous of others to be filled that we brought them into the house of God, and the house of God was full. Someplace, somewhere, we have lost that. Now, I don't want to get down on this so much, but all you got to do is look around and see that we have some of the best music there is. Amen some as good as singing as there is, and uh, uh, you might have to go someplace for, for this, but some of the best preaching there is, and the depths of the ministry of the Word of God there is, and yet something is missing. Now we have to try to understand what is missing. What has happened to our 
experience with God. What has happened with our desire to hear the word of God? What has happened to make us love God so much that we would just give up everything in our heart and life, regardless of how hard it might be for us, and get where God wants us and fill his house and bring others in to fill the house of the Lord is still God's desire. And yet we sit with just a few. Even if we had everybody that claims to be a Christian and belong to this church, we would still have a two-thirds empty house and pews, and we look up to God and want to know what's wrong. Well, it's not God's fault. Something has slipped from our lives. We are demanding, now, if you get tired of hearing this, it's fine, but we are demanding convenience for us. What is easy for me, God? What, what, is, what is it? I mean, I don't want to, to give myself too much because I know that you love me. Well, let's just find a scripture uh, that God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I guess probably my, my biggest complaint is I hear individuals say, I love the Lord with all my heart and my soul and my mind, and yet disregard almost every commandment that God gives us. Now, how can you go against God's Word and still proclaim how much you love Him? Something is wrong somewhere. And until we face it, I'm talking about you and I, as a church, First Pentecostal Church, until we face the fact that something is wrong with us, we're never going to solve the problem. We're never going to fill God's house. We're never going to claim what we pray for. And we're never going to get our children. And we're never going to get our mates. And we're never going to get those that are outside of the house of God until we face a reality check in our own lives. What has happened to me? Where did the love go? Where did the zeal go? Where did the desire go? What made me want to be in the house of God as much as I possibly could? What made me do that? The Holy Ghost inside where God's convenience was more than our own. But the Master gave them clear instructions as to how they could do His will. And He said, it's not hard. Read that scripture yourself. It's not hard. It's not a great thing that you've got to do. All you've got to do is come to the Master's Supper. Isn't that hard? Isn't that hard? Come to the Master's Supper. He said, now I'm, I'm furnishing everything. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm furnishing the meat and I'm furnishing the potatoes and I'm furnishing the dessert and you don't have to do a thing. Only you just need to be here. It's not a uh, bring a covered dish supper like we have. 
but is a supper that the master says, I'm preparing it all. I'm going to have you served. Hallelujah. You won't even have to get up. All you got to do is sit down at the table and I'll serve you. I'll have my servants to serve you. And everything that you need is there. All I want you there is just to be able to honor me. That's all that I'm asking. I just want you to come and I want you to fill my house. Hallelujah. Because everything is going to be good. Amen. Okay. I think maybe perhaps one thing is wrong is I think we simply have got so tired of meat and potatoes and dessert and so full of such things that we feel like, well, we really don't need it. I asked somebody the other day, I said, how, how long could you go without a meal? And they said, well, I don't know. I said, well, I know how long you go without a spiritual meal. Amen. I know how long you go without eating spiritual food. Well, I almost have to have three meals a day. Well, I think that'd be good. <laughs> Used to be when the Holy Ghost fell, they had service every night. How many of you believe that? They had service every night. Something was going on every night. Amen. They, they had called ministers, people that God tapped on the shoulder, and they would just wait on one another. Amen. And if somebody felt like they had the message, nobody got jealous. They just come up, and God so showered His blessings down on them. Thank God and tell they delivered the Word of God. And as they delivered it, people flocked into the altar and fell under the mighty power of the Holy Ghost because they were hungry and desiring and wanted to honor God. Amen. But their answers were those of a convenience minded world. Okay? I have bought property. I have a relationship to take care of. I have married me a wife. And I have bought me five yokes of oxen and I simply do not have the time to come and so the master, having gave and given us, I'm saying us, the first taste of the Holy Ghost, the first invitation to taste of that great supper, and we put our feet under the table, and they served us greatly, and the more we ate, the more that was there. I mean, hallelujah, more spirit came. Thank God, and they were anointed by the Holy Ghost. Now, what happened? Well, the Bible simply says because these individuals failed to realize how important it was 
to the master of the house to have his, his house filled. Sometimes we don't deem it really important that we be here. Or that we try to get somebody else here. We don't deem that important, and maybe it's not to us, but it's still important to God. It is still His desire that His house be filled. Now here's what I'm afraid of. Oh, I know some of you are going to say, well, I've, I've served the Lord all this time. I, I'm, going, I'm going to last till the end, and God bless you, I hope you do. But here's what I'm afraid of. And it has happened to others probably that was just as staunch in what they felt as we have. And it's already happened to them. And it could happen to us as long as we believe our convenience is more important than God's. I'm afraid sometimes that God is just going to say it is so important especially in the last days that we live in, it is so important to me to have my house full, I'm going to have to turn to somebody else. In other words, I have got to reach a world as much as I can, and so he was forced to turn to somebody else. Why does he have to do that to you and I who have received the first blessings, the first anointing, have saw what it was like in the olden days, and have watched the miracle working power of God in our lives, and have known what it's like to receive from God. Why is it that God would have to turn from us to somebody else, from this church, so to speak, other churches, older saints, that have known all these things, why would he have to turn to somebody else? Well, because, and hold on to your hats and get mad at me if you want to, I can't help it, these are God's words, because those who should have come had been so changed by the world that getting ahead and their own selfish comfort was more important to them than filling God's house. Okay? And when this is a priority, it is not God's priority. God's priority never changes. It still stays the same. I want my house filled. I want my house full. I want to serve you. I want you to come, and I want you to honor me, and all you've got to do is just come and put your feet under my table, and it won't cost you anything. I'll just shower out spiritual food that you can't contain, and all I want you to do is be here. But God... God, you just don't know. Well, you're probably right. Jesus probably don't know what pain is. Jesus probably don't know what aches and pain is. Jesus probably don't know about the world clouding in around us. He probably don't know any of this that keeps us from the presence of God. He probably has never experienced that. That is one reason 
Why, the Almighty God veiled himself in human flesh. It's not only that his blood was shed for us so that he could feel like we feel. And yet he endured it all, despised the shame, and give himself to the cross, and is now set down on the right hand of power. Oh yes, he knows. He knows pain. He knows agony. He knows mockery. He knows being spit upon. He knows all about uh, the world moving this direction and that direction. Oh yes, he knows the devil whispering in his ear. He knows all about this, and yet... He was without one sin that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Now the Bible says something here that is is real challenging. We're still in that one particular chapter. That chapter, of course, is is, uh, Luke 14. 16 to 25, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't get it down, wrote down here. But it says the master, after giving invitations and sending the second invitation. Now the first invitation we accepted, we came. O Lamb of God, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Thou biddest me at thy potter's throne. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And we came. And God lifted the burden from our shoulders and filled us with a precious Holy Ghost. And that was the first invitation we responded. And now then, giving us a while, he says, it's time now for my house to be full and it's time for you to come and honor me. And he sends out a second invitation. Now when I read concerning this, To reject a second invitation was just almost more than God could bear. It was a horrible, horrible sin to have accepted the first and then rejected the second. And the Bible says in that same scripture, the master become angry. Oh, but wait a minute here, Brother Hoskall. God is a loving and kind Heavenly Father who forgives us and loves us and takes care of us. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. But that word coming from the Greek is that He was exasperated. How many have ever become exasperated? Come on, wave at me. Have you ever become exasperated? Oh, I have. Amen. I still become exasperated sometimes at myself first and then at other people. I don't understand them. Of course, God don't understand them either, but that's beside the point. He was exasperated. Now, what causes God, what what causes us, first of all, to become exasperated? It's because we want something so badly that we do everything we can to receive it and it doesn't come. Isn't that exasperating? (laughs) And that's the way God felt. Why? What is the matter with these people, he's saying? 
What is the matter with their love? What is the matter with their desire? What has happened to them that they accepted what I had and even said that they would come and yet they started giving excuses? As if it didn't matter whether my house was filled or not. As long as I'm saved... I want my family saved, yeah, okay. Then do something to get them saved. What made you come to God? Because somebody was worshiping God and did things that was inconvenient for them and worked themselves to death sometimes to present to you a place to come to the house of the Lord. Now, I've got to say this. Those old-time preachers wasn't as fortunate as I am and a lot of the young ones that's coming up and some of us who can spend a lot more time in the Word of God and on our knees in prayer. They worked like dogs. And they prayed like it meant something. And they builded the house of the Lord with all their strength and power they gave it all they gave everything they had to present building from the ground up what we are worshiping God in tonight started with old timers who gave their lives that we might sit here with the best organ and the best piano playing and the best song leading and the best word of God that there is. They gave their lives. It wasn't convenient, but they did it. Mm. he says I'm exasperated God is saying I don't know what else to do I don't know how it's it's almost upon them and they won't make it if something doesn't change, how am I going to get them to know this? And how am I going to get them to understand that it is important to me that the house be filled? It may not be that important to us. God blesses us, and I'm sure He showers His love down upon us, and, and I'm sure that, uh, that He's tender to us. But if He understands our feelings... Why in God's name can't we understand His? Why don't we throw aside everything else and say God is wanting His house full? So He turns to a secondary source. Now He don't particularly want to do this. Amen. But he goes to the poor, he goes to the halt, 
he goes to the blind and he goes to the lame. And if he could not turn to those whom he had blessed first, then he would turn to those who really feel a genuine need of him. Now could I ask us to question have we really advanced so far that we really don't feel a genuine need of God, of His services, and of His house? Have we progressed in our own desires so far? I know some of you have turned me off, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You deserve it, I deserve it. Have we gone so far away from God that this doesn't bother us? We don't even feel condemned about it. Huh? I mean, we just sit at ease in Zion. And we don't even feel condemned. We, we just feel like that. Uh, it's all right. It, it really doesn't matter. Because after all, you know, I'm awfully weary. I'm awfully tired. You know, and we are. It's a wearisome time, I know this. You're talking to somebody going on 78 years old who tried to get out of bed this morning and every joint in their body ached until I couldn't even hardly get out. And then I, I throwed my foot over on the neuropathy, uh, neuropathy in this one right foot. Uh, I couldn't even feel it whenever it hit the floor. You're talking to somebody, oh, that hurts. Amen. You're talking to somebody that just wanted to flop back over and say, forget it. And that would have been fine, except I don't know how you get by with it if you do. There's something way down inside that stirs my spirit and makes me understand that God don't have very much time to use me and very much time to use you. So it's a tragedy, I suppose, to many of us who've been greatly blessed of God to refuse to do that one little thing He wants. It is not really, hear me now, that we don't see the need. We've got to, something has to be wrong with us if we don't see the need. Can you say amen? amen? Something has to be wrong with our thinking if we don't see the need of doing something from God, for God that hasn't been done yet. We must see the need but it's simply because the cares of this world too often crowd out the priorities within the heart and the will of God you find some of the most conscious individuals Paul pray to the pleasures of this world. You find one of Paul's sidekicks, Demas. 
where he simply made his brags, Demas is with me, and Timothy is with me, and he names all of these off, and then a little bit later on, he says, Demons, Demas is not with me, having loved this present world. In other words, it had, it had captured the heart of Demas. He had saw the miracles. He had watched the Apostle Paul establish churches in the darkest places, most idolatrous places. He had watched individuals come from idolatry into the Christian experiences. And he saw many great things. And yet, having loved this present world. The Bible admonishes us time and time and time again that there are sources out there in the world that seek to entertain us and take us away from God's priority. And they're doing a good job. Amen? Now there's two areas where this concept of convenient Christianity has affected us. Would you listen to me while I expound them to you tonight? And while I leave it to you to find out which one is yours or if you have any at all? Number one, it often interferes with the establishment of a more powerful, deeper relationship with God. That's what inconveniencing God does to our lives. We can't have the powerful relationship, the intimate relationship, the deeper relationship that a Christian needs in order to help fill the house of God. The enemy takes our prayer time away from us. We don't pray anymore. About all we can do is say, God save my family, God save this one, God save that one. And there's no relationship with God to make that happen in our lives. Then we wonder what's wrong with God. Nothing is wrong with God. The whole serious matter is there's something wrong with us. Now you'll notice... In Acts 24, God's desire was to have a deep relationship with a man named Felix. Felix. He had a will for the life of Felix. He had a goal for Felix to attain. He was kind of high up a little bit, and God wanted to use him. Otherwise, Natty wouldn't have messed uh, his time with him, but he wanted to use him. He had a goal for him, and so he moved upon Felix with the preached Word of God. And it was so mighty and so powerful that Felix literally trembled in the presence of God's Spirit. It wasn't that Felix was not interested in a relationship with God. It is not that we are not interested in a relationship with God. The thing that happened to Felix is happening to many of us. It just did not happen at a convenient time for us. It 
It was not a time that accommodated the schedule of Felix. This was God's schedule. This was God's pleading. The word so powerful that the man trembled. And God was dealing with him, and yet Felix just simply said, Well, you know, I have places to go and people to see and things to do and uh, at a more convenient time for me then I want to hear some more. God only knows, and I'm not a doomsday preacher, but God only knows when we'll hear the last word that shakes our whole being and our consciousness. God only knows when the Master will become so exasperated us with our loose life and our self-convenience that He simply says, if my work is going to be done, I'm going to have to move on to somebody else. Who knows when this will happen? I don't. Or even if it will, but I sincerely believe that it will. I'm afraid too many times that God has inconvenienced us by desiring to walk a bit closer to us. Amen? Now you must know that the closer God gets to you, the more condemnation comes in your self-righteous life. Now don't tell me I'm the only one that has experienced this. Amen? The closer God gets to me, the more condemned I am of my basic desires for me. God won't let me get away with it. I don't think He will you either. Oh yeah, we'll tell Him we'll pray. We'll tell Him we'll witness. We tell Him we'll read His Word. We'll tell Him that we'll make time for Him. But we'll do it after we take care of the more Pressing concerns of ours. And we will wear ourselves out when we have no more strength and we are ready to nod off to sleep and then we'll say a few words and call it a prayer or we'll read a few pages and call it Bible study and we have fulfilled what God demands of us. And God's house still stays empty. Our children still stay out in sin. Our neighbors are not touched. All because we don't realize how much it means to God for us to be in His house and to try to fill his house. Last month, not least, the second area affected by a convenience-minded world is a lack of readiness to follow the will of God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.12 that he said, I have greatly desired that Apollos come I believe that Paul had the mind of God when he said that. And the reason I believe that 
is because the Apostle Paul says, I have planted and Apollos has watered. And the Apostle Paul was saying, in its essence, I have planted, now it's time for some watering to be done, and he sends for Apollos. Even though Apollos is a great minister, yet Apollos simply says he would not come at all at this time, but when he had a more convenient time, he would be there. And as great a man as he was, as many souls that he reached, he failed to realize that when God said, the seed is planted, you are the waterer, now comes time to water. He should have left and went. God's priorities would have been his. But to a response like that, that many of us give, God's reply is, if we'll hear him, I don't care how busy you are. I need you right now. And God is not going to jeopardize your job. Amen. God is not going to take away anything from you when He demands of you. And it's now that it needs to be done, He will make a way for it to be done. It's not that we're refusing to do what needs to be done. We're just waiting for a more convenient time for us. That's all. What Jesus is wanting, what he had years ago. Now you can get on these old individuals all you want to. You can talk about how much flesh was in their services and all of that. You do that if you want to. I'll guarantee you one thing. They got the job done. Amen. Amen. They got the job done. And so, what God is wanting is somebody to say, Here, my Lord, use me now to do your will, whether it's convenient for me or not. And when I study the Bible, and when I see men and women of old go and work under adverse circumstances. Our forefathers, as I have already said before, answering the call of God during times of inconvenience. When it was so inconvenient for them, I long for the day when God's people will one more time develop a commitment to Him that simply says, God, it's your time, it's your efforts, I'm ready and develop a deep relationship with God that filled the house of God one time and will fill it again following His will. And my heart yearns that I will not go to the grave until I'm able to see that deep commitment of individuals that say, God, I am usable now. I am ready now. I have to do it now. And God will see to it that everything else is taken and taken care of. The Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God. No, it won't always be convenient. But it will always 
be the right thing to do. And I am warning us tonight, time and time again, that there's no reason for us to expect results without putting forth some effort. Your neighbors could die in their sins. Your spouse would not want to see God. And your children will walk the same way that they are walking now until there's an effort put forth that says, God, you tell me what to do. And you tell me when to do it. And I'll put everything else aside. And I'll do it. Because it'll be the right time. And the right thing. And it will reach hearts. And it will reach souls. And it will fill the house of God. And it will save your loved ones. But continue as we are. I'm not saying we're not Christians. We're just Christians that need to be more active and more concerned and a little less selfish in our own ways. And realize, again, God's priorities are not convenient for us. Shall we stand?